Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. Yeah, so like right now, all we can think about is getting outside. Yeah. Uh, we're here recording this podcast. And really, all we can think about is getting out there in the sun. I've been locked up for two weeks, dying, and I'm finally feeling a little bit better. And I just want to go and play in the sunshine. Yeah, it's the one weekend of the year where we're guaranteed some amazing weather, um, some awesome sunshine. But yet, what are we doing? We're here for our uh, the, our podcast universe. We should have a, a name for our of listeners and stuff. You know, like an army. You know, like the... The immigrants, isn't it? We're the immigrants. The immigrant army. <laughs> like the Toon army. The, yeah, well, not the Toon, it's more like the Barracuda army. I think that's, that's a more powerful army than the, the Toon army. Toon army sounds like... Toon, Toon, Black White Army. What? <laughs> Nothing. What the hell was that? The Toon, Toon, Black and White Army. Right. So the New Zealand habits hacker and it's like real menacing, intimidating. You guys have got Toon, Toon, Black and White Army. Why don't you come and take three points off us as well? That's the message you put across to your... Get screwed. I want to go inside. So let's, let's just... Yeah, so we just need to done. hurry up and get this podcast it's out It's like of doing homework in the summer holidays. That's that kind of thing. Is this a chore for you? No, it's not Jojo a chore. B. But you know, what when it's sunshiny that, outside. What message is that putting across to our amazing Listen, listeners? Listen, yeah. When you've had no like contact with the outside world for two weeks, all you've done is watch this morning and tried not to throw up and die, then you'll know about it. Jojo B has been a hermit uh, for the for the past couple of weeks. Uh, she's still suffering from a stomach bug, but I think she's coming back to some kind of normality now, and she might actually uh, be well enough to have a life. Yeah, going forward. I can kind of stomach the idea of food without wanting to heave. That's nice. Lovely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so this week we're going to be talking about Avengers. We actually went to see it. Yeah. You know, we managed to uh, rip Jojo B uh, from being stuck to our sofa and enabled her to go watch this film. Genuinely thought I was going to throw up all the way through the film, though. Um, but we'll be talking about that. Uh, we'll be talking about Planet Parlay show on BBC Asian Network and the fact there's no longer going to be around after this weekend. I know. So I'll be discussing that for a little bit. And also I'll be talking a little bit about Sajid Javid. Ah, oh, interesting. You know, I think we'll be touching on that in the second half of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but first of all, before we start anything off, I want to give a big shout out to my brother, Satman, who uh, does the British Asian podcast. And for me, this guy is the godfather of British Asian podcasts, not just because his show is called the British Asian podcast. Great name. But also he gave us a shout out on his last podcast himself. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, thank you so much yeah. to Satman for, um, you know, giving us that bit of support, a little bit of promo uh, on his amazing podcast, which I, Soren Barakas, have also been featured on. Oh, yes, you have. I was on episode 38 of the British Asian podcast, which is available through all your uh, podcast places. Yeah. And his shows are great because he really delves into a lot of different people within the British Asian community. Some unsung heroes, as well as artists, uh, as well as general day-to-day people in public. Um, and really delves into their stories and gives them a, a platform to get their voices heard. And I think it's a great podcast. It's been going on for a number of years now. He's done so many different shows, so many different characters. Um, and No Bias episode 38 is probably the best one. Great. 
We'll have to give it a listen then, won't we? We will indeed. Big up my boy Satman. Thank you very much. And you may even hear us on the future show. Oh, really? I'm just putting it out there. <gasps> Me and Satman have been in discussions. We could do like a cross-pollination of podcasts. Cross-pollination. I love it. It's like a it's a swarm of killer podcasts out there yeah. contaminating the world. Blessing the world. Blessing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm a blessing. Jojo B on the other hand. Whatever. Uh, but big up Satman. Thank you so much. And uh, make sure you check out his podcast. Another big up this week is a continual big up from last week's show. James Divine Stoneman. A continuing love affair. It is. This is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, the man crush continues for another week. Big up James Divine Stoneman. We spoke about him last week because I said he's a fellow South Orlean or South Orlite. I don't know what the correct term is for someone from South Orl. Someone from South Orl? It's surely there's like, you know, if you're someone from, you know, Yugoslavia, you're a Yugoslavian. If, is that Yugoslavia? <laughs> what a retro. It's not, it's not even around. <laughs> I know, Yugoslavia. Big up all my Yugoslavs out there who still call it Yugoslavia. Oh my God. It's like my dad. My dad still calls Sri Lanka Ceylon. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Ceylon. I was like, dad, it hasn't been called Ceylon for since what, like the 70s or something? Or how long it's like saying Rangoon in Siam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I mean, he is old school. Prussia is probably still a, is still a place for him. Oh my God. You know, but it's that whole thing, you know, like people, because I know pe- people that live in Mumbai mm. that will like adamantly still call it Bombay. They, they have everyone in India still call it Bombay? Yeah, it's, it's everyone outside of Bombay call it Mumbai. Because when we were in Gujarat, even back in the 80s and 90s, every time I used to go to Gujarat, mm. they used to all say Mumbai, Mumbai Maache, Mumbai Bateache and all this. And like, I was like, why are they all calling it Mumbai? And then I was explained to my, my parents that this was the name it was given before, you know, the empire took over and decided oh, to call okay. it all these kind of names. So Mumbai was a name it was for hundreds of years before that. Whereas Bombay came in, obviously, once the Raj came in. And then it was that name for ages. Uh, and then obviously it got changed in the last, what, it's been like 20 years or something like that, isn't it? Changed over. Bombay's become Mumbai and Bangalore is Bengaluru and Madras is Chennai and all this, all this stuff. Yeah, you know. And so, like, you know, for me, it, it was it was crazy going down to uh, to Mumbai. I keep Bombay, Mumbai, and they still called it Bombay. They were like, we've called it Bombay our entire lives, and so it's weird now changing it. Yeah, I kind I see why it's been done, but at the same time, so what difference does it make now? Yes, yeah, you know, they still need to tackle all the issues and stuff like that. I think the name was of the towns. Uh, it becomes a more of a side issue. Yeah, we don't really had that in Punjab. Punjab is Punjab. And the cities are what are they were always called. Yeah, you guys are so backwards. What? But anyway, big up James Divine Stoneman, who actually checked out our podcast. You know, I did say that we spoke about him last week and the fact that he's uh, a university challenge winner. He's a captain of his team winning university challenge and he's from Southall. And we gave him some love on the last show and he gave us some love back. Yes, he did on Twitter. He did indeed. Um, he, he specifically said, um, cheers, Swami Brackus. You're right. I'm probably not what you associate with Southall, but I grew up there, went to Dormer's Wells High, who was actually, which actually a rival school to my old school, Greenford High. Big up Greenford High, Greenford High alumni, where you at? Big up. Um, I was called a posh boy at school, which I thought was quite sad. Oh, well, he is very well spoken, though. He is, yeah. And like I said, he's very untypical of a person from Southall. Yes. Uh, but I really have nothing but respect and positivity from other students and teachers there. 
You know? He also said, I deliberately said Southall on the show to represent my community growing up and also because otherwise people would think I'm from the wealthiest neighborhood in Ealing. Really glad I've been able to represent the area. I think that was a, a great message put across to people because he could have just said, yeah, I'm from West London or yeah. you know, I'm from uh, Middlesex. Yeah, or Ealing because it yeah. comes under Ealing Borough. Yeah, it comes under Ealing Borough. And you know what? I'll be honest. I've been blameful for doing that myself in the past. You should always be proud of where you come from. Yeah, you know, but sometimes, you know, unfortunately, Southall closes a few more doors than opens them when you're trying to get into <laughs> places. Um, you know, whether it's uh, academia or whether it's work-related uh, business. So I've had to uh, say to people, I'm from West London, which I think is very wrong. And I think James Devine Stoneman uh, has just opened my eyes to the errors of my past. Always be proud of where you come from. I've had people say to me, oh, whereabouts are you from in Newcastle? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm from Biker, which if you're familiar with Newcastle, and my mum and dad had a shop in Biker, we didn't live there, but it's, you know, not the best place. Maybe it's a council estate, it's quite I can rough. I can, I can attest to that. Yeah, so I spent, I was, you know, we had a shop there from when I was three years old up until I was 25, so I spent most of my life there. And... um People, when they, somebody came, well, someone in particular said to me, but but how did you turn out like this then? <laughs> yeah. Meaning, like, how did you turn out so well and how did you get such a good job? And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. You're, I cheated my way to the top is what you should have said. Where you come from makes you. I think you should always be proud of where you come from. And uh, especially for someone like James Devine Stoneman, um, you know, to, to win University Challenge and to be from Southall, represent where he's from, and keep very close to his hometown roots. I yeah. think this is. I think that's incredibly inspiring. It is. You know. Uh, so big up James Divine Stoneman. But I was touched with a tinge of sadness that he studied at Dormers Wells because there was always that big rivalry between Greenford High and Dormers Wells. There, there used to be a big fight that used to happen on King George's uh, field uh, <laughs> between our schools uh, back in the day. I can't say that I was ever involved in any of this activity. Um, I heard about a lot of this from my fellow peers. All schools have rivalries. I went to a school called Heaton Manor School. Yeah. And we had a rivalry with Benfield. Ooh. And uh, the infamous Benfield rivalry. Well, yeah. And it was, uh, see, back in those days, Benfield was pretty rough and Heaton Manor was, you know, like, not well to do, but we were like one, the nicer end of the state schools. Right. But I think it might have swapped round now. <laughs> oh, man. What has happened? See, this is what happens. Once you leave, like everything just becomes worse. Well, they knocked my school down and built it, rebuilt it because it was falling down. We had like ceilings falling through and everything because oh, it was an old man. Victorian building. And then they um, built it and it looks like a spaceship now. Damn. Yeah. Good times though in that school. Good times. Big who, up Heaton Manor, massive. Who had the better conkers? Heaton Manor. Oh, okay. is, that a, is that bias talk? No, we had like big old trees and stuff. So yeah, we had oh, the better okay. ones. All right. Uh, anyway, so this weekend, uh, this past weekend, there's been a number of real great British Asian uh, festivals happening around the UK. And we haven't been able to go to any of them because no. Jojo B has still been under the weather. But to touch on Alchemy, which is um, one of our favorite annual pastimes at the South Bank Centre. We like to go and eat, basically. We do like to go and eat. Um, it's the Curb has some amazing market stalls. Uh, with some of the best Indian street food that you'll taste. Like, I'm gutted that we're not able to go this year. There's this one place that does an awesome masala chips wrap. And it's and they cover it in mozzarella and chili sauce. And the thought of it right now is making me salivate from places I wouldn't think I could salivate from. And do you know what they do for the gluten-free years? Go on. 
They make masala chips chaat. Oh my, oh my god. god, it's so delicious. I can't explain. Oh so god. delicious. Oh but unfortunately, I'm not well enough to eat it this year. So exactly. So it's, it's a real shame. But if you're in the area, if you're anywhere near the South Bank Center, please do go and support the Alchemy Festival. Um, it's annually run and it showcases so what's really great about Asian culture in the UK. Um, and I think Talvin Singh is actually performing at this year's. Yeah, because I think it's the anniversary of his Mercury Music Prize, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, like they, they have gigs, like kind of, they have small gigs, free stuff that you can just walk into and watch. They have plays. They have like really huge artists come and perform as well. Yeah. Like it's all sorts across the spectrum, um, across all the arts as well. And it's really, really good. It's just a really lovely vibe, especially at a weekend like this. Yeah, sun's out, sun's shining. What better way to spend it than to hear some amazing music, eat some amazing food and just take in some great vibes, yeah. you know, just being around the South Bank itself. So, um, yeah, support the Alchemy Festival if you're anywhere near London. But also the Rifko Arts uh, Centre in Watford are uh, having a British Asian festival there as oh, well. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. You yeah. know, so we saw a number of our friends actually there. But yeah, support, you know, it's, there's some great, you know, events happening around the UK involving the British Asian community. And I think um, if we don't all support these things, then things aren't going to move forward. Exactly. I think across the country in all the different cities, there's various different organisations that do stuff. In Newcastle, we've got something called Gem Arts. Okay. And they organise lots of stuff. And I think because it's going to be Great North this year or something, exhibition, Great North exhibition this year in Newcastle. And I think they'll be doing loads of events for that. So we'll okay. let you know if there's any more information come through. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if, if you've got any events happening involving the British Asian community, invite the native immigrants you know we're the key biggest uh proponent of british asian Are you culture just trying to get us free tickets for stuff i am blatantly <laughs> trying to do that obviously but i like to think with our groundbreaking podcast i think it's more you know we don't need them they'll need us so um you know support uh, the native immigrants podcast while you're there at the same time follow us on all our social media platforms give us a rating and review and just tell everyone how amazing we are yeah, and then we'll tell you how amazing you are as well. Yeah, by championing you on our show. Yes. Okay, but anyway, that's enough for the first half of the Native Immigrants podcast. We'll be back in the second half. We'll be talking about all things Avengers. <laughs> See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Varakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we are going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War. Spoiler alert. Yes. Yeah, Don't st- listen past this point. Yeah. If you have not seen this film, stop the <laughs> podcast right now and listen to our previous six shows. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> previous seven shows even. How many have we done now? I can't even tell. I don't know. I've lost count. But we've done so many, that's the thing, we've done so many awesome shows that we just can't keep up with our level of amayness. 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 Well, <laughs> amay is our word, and now we need to expand it a little bit. So we can't say amazingness, it's amayness. Amayness. I like it. Yeah. Hashtag amayness. <laughs> no, because people just say hashtag amayness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so or maybe not say that then. Just hashtag amay. Yeah. A-M-A-E. <laughs> You know, yeah, a manus. Yeah. That doesn't quite work, does it? No, no, I mean, that sounds like you're saying I'm an anus. I'm an anus. 
Hashtag Amananus. Um, or just a may. Just a may. Just use the word A-M-A-E. And if you do use it, just tag us in, you know? You know? Give just, some credit. Yeah. Remember who gave you that word. Exactly. You're welcome. Uh Nimigrant Army. <laughs> That's what's the word. Yeah, we've got to come up with a better name for them. But okay, well for now. Give us a better name. If you have guys have any suggestions on what you our listenership should be called, throw us some suggestions, you know, because we're always open to hearing what our people think of us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any suggestions, all welcome. Anyways. Yeah. So this past week, Jojo B finally took herself off our sofa and visited the cinema together with myself to watch Avengers Infinity War. And it was worth feeling terrible all the way through the whole cinema experience because it was amazing. First thoughts, Jojo B. Well, the reason that I got off the sofa mainly is be- is for Thor, a.k.a. Chris Hemsworth. What a surprise. Because, because he makes everything worthwhile. But um, What do you think about him with the shorter hair? I like it. I've never bit of really a, been into men with long hair, so I like it. I'm a bit of, no, it's, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, you know, with Thor. And Thor's always had a long hair. But you doesn't know? he look more mean now? He does look a lot more gritty because of his, uh, you know, obviously if you watch Thor Ragnarok and stuff, you'll see the story behind his hair being cut and everything. Um, and then he's only with one eye in this as well. So it's a lot more... It's a lot more yeah, I like the eye patch. The thing is, there's only, one, there's only one person that should have an eye patch in the Marvel comic universe. You know, and that's Nick Fury. Oh, yeah. So there can't be two guys with eye patches because well, it defeats a purpose. If you've seen Avengers, then you know that the eye patch disappears because he gets a, a new eye. Yeah, look at it. There's going to be spoilers throughout this entire section. So please do not listen if you haven't watched the film. Um, but yeah, shorter hair, Thor. Love it. It, it does work. Yeah, um, it does. You know. What else, Jojo V? Sorry, my mind wandered there. Oh, um, I thought it was really, really good. I'd love to go and see it again because I think I've got a feeling there's things that we've missed. This first time round, I feel like cause there was the loads case. of Easter eggs in it, and I feel like we probably missed a few as well. Yep, no, hundred percent. Because I picked up on quite a lot, but I was like, "Oh my god, look at that!" All the way through it. But I think there might be a few that we need to go back and see, so we probably have to go back again. There's no hurt involved there for me. No. You know, I'm more than happy to see it twice, thrice even. It was thoroughly entertaining though, and I thought it was really well done. I thought the ending was just like, what? Yeah, we're going <laughs> to come to the ending. You know, we have to dissect various parts of the film first. Okay, I think, well, you, will you let me know what you think then? Well, I, for me, this was probably my favourite Avengers film, without a shadow of a doubt. It's absolutely epic. It almost had a kind of like an Empire Strikes Back feel to it. Yeah, it did. You know, but it was it was like even more brutal, you know, uh, because... You know, whereas Empire Strikes Back, yeah, you know, the bad guys kind of win and then you kind of, but you still have a sense of a glitter of hope towards the end, you know, kind of like where we're going to go with this. But there always is a sense of, but don't worry, we're on the quest of getting ourselves back into this. Yeah, you you don't get that with Avengers. You absolutely, it's like a real full stop. (laughs) Yeah. This is, you're all fucked, you know, but I kind of still feel that, you know, let's just touch on the ending, you know, all the peripheral figures die. Um, you know, is the easiest a lot of them, to, yeah. You know, a lot of them do die. A lot um, of the main, so, some main people die as well, though. Well, this is the thing. I still, a lot of the main characters, yes, you know, we don't want to go into too much discussion about them, the different people that do die. Yeah. But I will talk about the few that didn't die because I felt that if it was going to have more of an impact, surely one of the main Avengers, like a Captain America or an Iron Man, 
They should have died. But, should I say this? But yeah, I will say it because the people who are listening have seen it already. Black Panther goes. Black Panther does die. Yes, indeed. So T'Challa's gone. I mean, like, that's pretty major. But that's the thing. Okay, so if I'm if I'm going to be really honest with my thoughts about all this, it's it's a real shock. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a massive shock, but a very temporary shock for me. Because I kind of feel like, especially in the MCU, everything is reversible. And although there was a sense there was a loss of, uh, you know, a massive loss of life in the end of that film, I still have the harboring thought that a lot of this is gonna, obviously going to be reversible because of the planage of uh, the uh, Marvel Comics films. Yeah. There is going to be obviously another Black Panther film. They've already planned and filming another Gu- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and there's going to be another Spider-Man. So. <laughs> exactly. So really, you know, as much as it was like, oh my God. Half an hour later, it was like, oh, okay, so ha- um, now I'm thinking, how are they going to reverse all this to enable all these films to happen? Do you want to hear my theory on this? Okay, Jojo B. So I had a kind of semi-theory and then I Googled because I was like, am I just completely, because I'm, you know, I don't really read the comics or anything, so I yep. thought maybe I'll just be like off in another world of my own that is not feasible. But <laughs> Marvel is not feasible. Anything's feasible in Marvel. Exactly. But um, so my theory is, is that, so no one's dead. No one. Okay. None of them. By the way, I was really shocked when Loki died in the first like ten minutes. I was like, no, "That was nuts!" I love but then Loki. it kind of it did kind of set a stall about the, how the film was going to pan out because yeah, it was from brutal. the offset they killed off a character that we've seen from so many films. And Idris Elba's character, what is he called again? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like Thor's best friend. Yes. <laughs> but um, why is another ethnic the first person killed off before everything? You know, in these films. I don't know. I never even thought of that. Well, there you go. Mull over that while you talk about your other points. Okay, fine. So my theory anyway, getting back to my theory. So no one's dead, but everyone's been transported because they kind of like flutter away, don't they? Like dissolve away. They've been transported inside the soul stone. So the soul stone is one of the... um, Infinity gems. Yeah, infinity gems that... It, it's the only one that has like its own universe within it. It has it holds a world within it. Yeah. So they've all just been kind of um, transported into this, into this uh, little like universe of their own. So I don't know if they're all in there together and they know that they're in there together, or if they're all laugh. living within their own kind of personal universes or worlds that so they don't know what's going on to any with anybody else. Okay. So I'm not sure about that bit. But they're all in there. And um, the reason that I was like Googling it and what I found when I, um, when I was on my Google travels was that the, the director had actually done a talk at Iowa University because that's where he used to go or something. And, um, and one of the students had asked a question about it. And he'd said, actually, yes, the conversation that happens between Thanos and the young Gamora is yellow like the the lighting is like at a yellowy hue Tint and stuff, yeah. yeah it's because they're within the soul stone oh it happens within the soul stone so if you know that the, the soul stone is the yellow gem so that's why it makes it makes sense so that's why i was like oh maybe that everybody's gone in there but then where was everybody else in that scene but that's the thing that's why i think maybe they're all in their own personal world oh okay so like kind of stuck in kind of like a but what i was really confused on was that actually Gamora didn't flutter away. She died. I mean, yeah, she splattered. Yeah. yeah. Right? And the same with like Loki's like dead because he got strangled. So mm. I don't know if they will come back. But I think the other characters that did flutter away have disappeared off into this soul stone. 
The thing is, like, I'd like to. Th- that's a very, very great theory, Jojo B. You know, I kind of commend Thanks. you thoroughly for it. Uh, my flip side to that is the one person that could potentially reverse a lot of these things is Doctor Strange, who's a Time Lord. But he doesn't have the Time Stone anymore. But not even that. He's one of the guys that die. So really, the one person that could potentially change the entire landscape of this entire scene is dead. But doesn't all his power come from that stone? So once the stone was taken from him, his power... It renders, is, is, yeah, yeah, it renders it meaningless. Like, yeah, he's just a normal mm. human again. So, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure. But, and also, I'm not really sure where they can take it. So there's two different places that I think they can take this for part two of Infinity War. Because mm. there is going to be a part two. Yeah, there? absolutely. Right, so they either... Uh, that the remaining Avengers on the outside in the real world are going to be on a mission to try and figure out what the hell to do because yeah. they're going to obviously at first thing everyone's dead oh my god this is terrible half the population of the world has died as well I assume I think is what's happening do we how do we fix this or how what do we do now and then they figure out that they can kind of get in they have to get them out of the soul stone or this is something that I read which I thought was really interesting Marvel are going to just have a separate Marvel universe, which is now all of these Avengers living within this soul stone, not oh realizing that they're in the soul stone, not knowing where they are. So then they have, can, can have two separate sets of Marvel franchises going on. Oh, my days. So there'll be an MCU and an MCU part two. The thing is, it's like, how many films can you really go with this? Because there's already been 19 of these Marvel films. It would just end up becoming like, a, you know, the way Fast and Furious is, where it's just like multiple, there'll be like Fast and Furious 25 and they'll all be like kitted out mobility scooters, yeah. kind of like just driving up and down. So like how, because, you know, for me, you know, I was looking at the, specifically the Iron Man character and the fact that his was the first film, 2008, I think it was the first Iron Man film. So that's been like almost like 10 years now of Robert Downey Jr. playing this role, mm. you know, and he's, and he's not just done the Iron Man films, he's popped up in literally every other film yeah. you know of these and so you know you know sometimes you know when you look at like wolverine logan you know mm-hmm. hugh jackman's character in that there was a, a definite end to this and and with logan was that final film where it's like you know what like i've done what i need to do with this character yeah it's time to now you know step aside pass the torch on and let the next generation take the x-men forward you know but with and i kind of feel like that with with iron man i think that was a point where i kind of thought now he's the main character. He's been the linchpin that's taken everyone forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I think w- what kind of an impact would have been if Iron Man had died? See, now what I think they're doing that's quite clever with Iron Man is actually they're not shying away from the fact that he's aging. Yeah. So they do, like, he does complain about being knocked about a bit more than he used to because it hurts more now. And so that's why his suits are having to do more and more for him to protect him more and more. Yeah. And I think they allude to that all the time through his dialogue and what he's saying and stuff. Yeah. Um. So I don't think that they're shying away from the fact that he's aging in the films as well. Yeah. And I think maybe they're trying to set him up to be like another kind of Professor X type. So he's like eventually going to take a step back, but he'll still be there creating the technology for Spider-Man and his new suit or those kind of things. Yeah. I think maybe they're kind of slowly getting him there, but maybe they need Infinity War Part 2 to happen first. And that's when after that, maybe he will retire from being an active Avenger. Yeah, yeah, potentially. That's how I like to see it. But also I wonder how much more... 
uh, the appetite is from the public because I think everyone's been waiting for this because everyone knew there was going to be Absolutely. a film where everybody was together and it's epic seeing them all in the same scenes and stuff and it's yeah. like it's crazy you see Thor with the Guardians and, and it's just like what the hell's going on here but I think after this point what will be the appetite because where do you go from here like how does it get better well obviously now the next part will be them trying to take on Thanos no but and- I mean like after a, like Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and 2 is done. Well, well, one of the things that we'll be uh, expanding on, uh, right at the end of the film, you actually see uh, Nick Fury in a, in a post-credit mm-hmm. scene. And he's, you know, he's also in the process of disappearing and he sends a signal out and it shows a symbol on that signal. Uh, and comic book fans and geeks the world over will have recognized that symbol as that of Captain Marvel. Yeah. And so Captain Marvel is going to be one of the next few standalone films. And actually, uh, the Marvel president actually said that she may be the most powerful superhero of them all in the Marvel Comics universe. And I love that she's a woman. Yes, Brie Larson will be playing this role, who won an Oscar what, an for her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I kind of feel, though, in a way that now to introduce a brand new character uh, after all the multiple characters that were already in the you know this avengers series it's just like they you have know. to keep it fresh though don't they disney have to keep making their money and they have to keep it rolling in yeah and to have another i think after seeing especially with black panther where they had those really strong female roles yeah and after seeing how well wonder woman's done as well for dc yeah that actually they need another strong female standalone character because yeah. that's going to really kind of that's what the, that's what the appetite is out there in the, in the um film watching community and so i think Actually, it's a really good move yeah, to keep it fresh. No, I agree. I agree. It'd be nice. And, you know, look, obviously we didn't see Ant-Man in this film. Uh, Ant-Man yeah. is one of the next few films they're going to do a standalone uh, part two they of Ant-Man. They mentioned him though. They did mention him, yeah. But he, they, they'll be filming that. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp will be one of the next few standalone oh, yeah, films. the Wasp as well. Yeah, She's absolutely. a new character. Um, so there's a, few, there's a few characters that weren't in this that could potentially still have a role to play in the next Avengers film. Um, but really for me, this whole film from start to finish was a showcase for Thanos, who is probably my favourite villain of all time. Because yeah, he's know? been lingering in the background. He's not really had a huge part to play all the way through. And some of the films, yes, but not all the way through in all of the films. But he's just been a lingering kind of lurking presence. in the background presence, like ominous presence. And then you really got to see what he was about. exploded in this. And what I loved the most about it was he was such a conflicted character as well at the same time. He's so yeah. complex in that you saw some of his like raw emotion in those scenes with Gamora. Um, and then you saw the overt brute power of what he's capable of doing in some of the fight scenes. Yeah. But for me, one of one of the best depictions of a villain uh, across any film I've seen, you know, I look at people like Darth Vader and how epic he was across the entire um, Star Wars series. But Thanos in this one film encompassed so many of those different elements yeah. that, you know, for me, rather than all the characters and what happens to them and their ensuing storylines... I really want to see what they do with Thanos. He's the kind of guy that he's a baddie and you don't want to like him. But what he does is he stands by his beliefs all the way through and he does what he has to do. Very similar to Killmonger in yeah. the last Black Panther film yeah. where, you know, and again, an antagonist within the film. But there's so much of what he said that was relatable to a lot of people within the black community so that when he when he eventually delivers his final speech before dying, 
it's such a stand up and applaud moment at the same time. And I kind of feel with Thanos, though it's very different character and very different um, belief, know, systems. Down, belief systems, <laughs> yeah. but there was almost like a, a you know overriding sense of well done, you know, by the end of it, because yeah. it wasn't just your typical bad guy, ha ha ha, I'm going to destroy the world and that kind of bullshit. There was so much complexity within his character. Um, and the conflictedness of being this almost father role to Gamora as well at the same time, you know. And you see that he genuinely has love for her because the sacrifice that he makes, it hurts him. Yeah. And he is conflicted by what he's done, but he's done it because he thinks he's doing it for the greater good. To save its resources by halving populations yeah, yeah. so that, you know, we don't kind of overconsume consume And it's, it's interesting because some people, and they're sick people, I think, but some people do believe that overpopulation causes overuse of resources. And then actually you just exhaust what you have. And people believe that's what's happening on Earth. So now he's just a reflection of that thought process. Yeah. Whether you believe that or not, I don't think that's the right thing. But like, that's what... He he's just living by what he living um, by his beliefs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was uh, there was quite a funny bit uh, during the film where him and Gamora go to Vormir to search the Soul Stone, uh, and we see a cameo by Red Skull, <laughs> and it was like, oh my god! So in my mind, I'm like, oh my god, it's Red Skull. I turn to Jojo V and say, oh my god, look, it's Skeletor. At which point, her reaction was, what? Really? Oh my god! And then, uh, then it sets in in her about five seconds later. That I was so caught up in the film, I was so busy watching it, and then you said this random thing to me, and I was like, "What? Really? Is it?" And then, then I realised, no. Like, <laughs> what that, is he talking about? Five like, why was my, probably my five seconds of the entire film? But how amazing was it that they brought Red Skull into it? Yeah, absolutely. And he so, hasn't been referred to again. Yeah. So Captain America, the very first one, uh, Johann Schmidt, played by Hugo Weaving was uh was red skull and yeah. i'd actually completely forgotten about him yeah because we've seen so many films happen since then that his uh, character has never been referenced again and lo and behold he's there on vormir as this weird guardian guardian of of the soul stone uh, but it was just it was just nice to see all these characters kind of resurface mm. characters in the film where um you know everyone got a chance to shine in their individual moments um and and it was like you said before it was great to see people within their realms kind of mixing amongst people in different realms yeah. you know seeing Doctor Strange and and, and Iron Man together and, and then seeing Thor and the Guardians together it was just a, it was just like a real it was a geek's heaven I think it was something great to see what wasn't great to see though was Wakanda being destroyed oh my god and, and it, you know what it helps back to the film itself where they talk about not allowing uh, Wakanda to be uh, open to the world open to the world uh, you know everything Killmonger talking about with keeping vibranium amongst their people as soon as the western world <laughs> turned up in, in Wakanda it just gets destroyed absolutely Killmonger you were right you were correct. And all for Vision. I understand because they can't, you know, they didn't want to let Vision go. And they didn't want to lose the stone, the mind stone and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like the whole place got destroyed. Yeah. But that fight scene that had the three girls in it. So it had uh, Black Widow. Yeah. It had Akoya. Yeah. And it had, oh, what's her name? Wanda. Yes, Wanda. Yeah, yeah. And th that scene was awesome. Yeah. Or, yeah, brilliant. And like, stuff. Go ladies. Go ladies. You know, the ladies played a, a massive part in this film. And I'm, I'm glad... Everyone got showcased really, really well. Yeah. Um, it was an absolutely epic film. It's a must watch if you're a fan of comic book films. And I'm really interested to see where they're going to go in next. Definitely. Also, though, one thing 
when it comes to the cinematic experience that we really enjoyed was the film. One thing we didn't enjoy, uh, it just seems that it's following us everywhere in life, Jojo B. Um, there was a, um, I will say it's an Asian family. Yeah. They decided to bring their, not even infant child, their baby. Their baby to a nine o'clock showing. Yeah, this was a half nine is when the film kicked off and it yeah. finished just after 12 o'clock midnight. Yep. And they had their baby with them um, during this film that decided to cry pretty much throughout the film. And then the mum, because they're sitting near the front, the mum was just wandering up and down like the, the side with it trying to get it to shut up. And I was like, why would you bring your child? Why would you bring your child to a film that's actually quite scary for a, for a kid? Because every time Thanos came on the screen, the baby cried. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there was like, I started to notice that pattern halfway through the film. And so, like, why would you bring your child to a film like that where it's going to get scared because people are dying and there's like scary blowing, things are blowing up. It's all really loud. It's very and stuff. loud. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, it's in the middle of the night when it probably should be at home trying to get some sleep. Yeah, I can understand, you know, they, you know, the drawbacks are, you know, your family, you know, you want to go out, socialize. If you haven't got babysitters or people that you can leave your child with, you might have to take them obviously with you to film. Go to an earlier showing. Go to an earlier showing. Go to know? a mother and baby showing. Yeah, or go to a mother and baby showing. Wait till the weekend. Watch it during the weekend. Why take your baby to a late night showing of an action packed, loud superhero film? I don't understand that logic at all. It disrupted the viewing experience for not only myself and my wife, but everyone in the cinema. Everyone and, was huffing and puffing about it. Yeah, there was, <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. You know, initially there was a bit of sympathy because you're like, oh, bless, you know, the baby's crying. But because it happened incessantly throughout the entire film, it, it did get a lot of people quite irate. Um, and, you know, we spoke about uh, cinema etiquette with Asians and stuff last week where we spoke about them disrupting the viewings by talking throughout it or doing certain things. I also encompass this within that same realm. You know, if you're going to take a child or a baby to a cinema, do it during a time where the child's wanting to sleep, <laughs> you know, and yeah. not not when it's a massive, crazy, loud, action-packed film like this. Or don't go, you know, like it's only just come out. Wait till it's been out for a little while and the cinema is going to be a bit quieter. You know it's going to be a bit quieter. You're not going to disturb so many people. You might even get a show where you're by yourself. You never know. But like, you're just not going to go to a packed screening yeah. and have your kids screaming all the way through it. Yeah. And then on top of that, I've been at home for the last two weeks and all I've heard is the little brat from downstairs screaming his head off exactly. constantly. And it's when you're feeling when you're feeling sick, or when you're you know hunched over the toilet, actually being sick, like I have done many times this week, and then you're hearing this kid screaming, it puts you off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, so it's followed us from here all the way to New Zealand on our flight, all the way back, all the way through our time here, and now in the cinemas as well. What is going on, universe? I think we got really passionate about that there, didn't we? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> well, now that we've calmed down, on the next half of the show, we'll be discussing the BBC Asian Network getting rid of my brother Parley's show and also Sajid Javid. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the third part of the Native Immigrants podcast. This is quite a rare occasion. There's, I think there's only been one other show where we've done three parts. 
I think we got really into the whole Avengers thing. Yeah, it's what happens when, you know, a couple of nerds sit there and dissect every little part of a, of a comic book film that really pisses off the normal uh, viewer. Yeah, but, I love a whole, I love that whole sci-fi fantasy genre. Yeah. That's just And you know what it is? We're probably so overthinking everything that by the time the next Infinity War uh, part comes out next year, none of this will be the case and it'll just be a happy ending and everything will be fine. I kind of hope it's not. Yeah, no, I want some bad endings. I want some brutality. I want some more. That's what, I want some more Thanos. I want it to be like, you know, like The Wire, where they just don't care and they're really brutal and they will get rid of a, a main character and you're like, how did that happen? I think there's every chance of that happening. Um, you know, but let's not keep talking about Avengers. Okay, fine. <laughs> Avengers okay, we can't get onto we could, it again. Yeah, be, on part eight, <laughs> we'll be talking about more Avengers. Um, first of all, I just want to say a big shout out to uh, DJ Isuru from SOS Radio. Um, he had me uh, on his show this past week. And I traveled down um, and I spoke about my career, my life. And I also touched on the Native Immigrants podcast. Was it a retrospective? It you was got a to retrospective. Now. You know how retrospective it was? He played Where You At Bro. Oh my God. This track was the very first track I recorded back in 2003. 15 years ago. Uh, bruv. And this, this show not only made me feel that way, it, it kind of, uh, you know, re-emphasized that over and over again when uh, of years were popping up. 2005. Michael Aspel. Swami this is your life. I'm big your host, Michael Aspel, aka DJ Sue. Um, yeah, big red book. I need a big red book about my life. There's so much that's happened in those 15 years. It is nuts. Um, but um, yeah, I want to big up DJ Osuru. Um, you spoke about a lot about my music, but you know, like I said, talked about the Native Immigrants podcast. Uh, but the interview itself will be actually out on Mixcloud, I think, some point next week. Okay. So as soon as that's up, I'll put it on my own, not only my own social media, but also the Native Immigrants. So listen to that show. You know, find out about the Barracuda. You know, yeah. if you don't know about me, get to know. Um, you know, so that's coming up very, very soon. And by the time you had heard this show, we would have been on the BBC Asian Network. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on Asian Network Debate Show. I think it's what it's called. But we'll be on there. Um, so by the time this podcast is out, you'll have already heard us. So hope you liked it. <laughs> hope you liked it. Hope we did well. Hope we didn't swear, basically. Um, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, we've got, oh, yeah you've got to watch your foul mouth, Jojo B. This is my only concern. I don't think I'm that bad. Do you know what? Asjad, Asjad Nazir, a friend of ours from the Eastern Eye, he specifically only listens to our show to hear you swear. And he was very disappointed that in the last week's show, you didn't swear in the first five minutes. Oh. You're slacking, Jojo B. Well, you know, like I only use it for dramatic emphasis uh, when I'm speaking. And you know, there's been research done to show that people who swear are more intelligent than people who don't. That is ridiculous. So that old adage of, oh, well, if you were clever enough, you wouldn't need to swear because you'd be able to use other words and other vocabulary. That's a load of nonsense. But why use such like, you know, some aggressive swear words? You should go, we go back to using words like blackguard or scoundrel. But then we use those words as well. Or vagabond. <laughs> my favourite word in the whole world. Big up my dad <laughs> using it. But anyway, speaking about the BBC Asia Network. Yeah. Um, this past week, uh, Parley Patel, who hosts the Gujarati show on, mm -hmm. on Sundays, you know, notified the public that his show was no longer going to be around oh, after the 13th of May, um, which I find quite annoying and quite sad. It's surprising as well because he's 
really funny. Yeah, it's got a great show. Um, and it, you know, it showcases Gujarati music from not only the UK but also from the state of Gujarat itself. Mm-hmm. A lot of artists that people would never have heard of. Yeah, and uh, it gets a platform for them to showcase their music. And I'm really disappointed that not only the show has been taken away, it's not being replaced with another Gujarati show. Oh. And they're still keeping shows from other specialist language shows still on the station. So you've got the South Indian, the Sri Lankan show that Ashanti has. Um, there's the, the Bengali, the Bangladeshi community show that Nadia Ali has. And also this Punjabi show that Dips Bamra has. Why is there not a Gujarati show to reflect our community on the BBC Asia Network? That's really surprising. And there's a massive Gujarati community in the whole of the UK. So I don't really understand why that would happen. Mm-hmm. And... Pale is a really popular figure within the, especially with young Gujaratis because yeah. because of all the funny stuff he does. So I don't understand why that would happen. I know there's been a lot of changes happening in the BBC Asia Network. Um, I know like there's been the schedule change. So I think Bobby now has a lot of new music shows happening throughout the week. And um, a Nuclear, uh, who's the, the EDM producer from India, will actually have Parley's slot on Sunday evenings. And I kind of felt like, you know, if you're going to showcase that that music, you could have had that in one of the shows during the week. Why the need to take away his show to accommodate that? Because the Asian Network has always been a station that should encompass an entire South Asian community. Yeah. There has to be a representation for all the Gujaratis. I wonder if they didn't get the listenership or the interaction from the Gujarati community as much as the other, the other um, language-based shows would get. Yeah, I, I used to see, I used to see a lot of like, you know, on social media, on Parley's, you know, Twitter and stuff, there'd be a lot of people that used to retweet and kind of, you know, message saying, listening into the show, checking it out. Great to see stuff for Gujaratis on there. Um, you know, you can always find ways to kind of improve or to get more listeners in. But it's it's the underrepresentation of that community now on what is the really the only BBC station to represent Asians in the UK. And Gujaratis are a massive part of that. I also think that it's a really bad move in terms of losing a good presenter because it's really hard. I think Asian Network have always had a problem with getting good new young presenters coming through. Yeah, um, They've had an old guard that have remained there for a long time and they found it hard to find good talent. I think they've got a few more recently yeah, yeah. when they made their changes last year. But I think Parley was part of that. And it's a shame that they've let a good presenter go. Yeah. You know, the whole point is kind of to usher in a new generation. I've always been about passing the torch. You know, I'm coming up to the last uh, the last stages of my career as a musician. Um, That's I'm not afraid to say that. But, you know, I've always been about trying to pass the torch on to the next generation. That's why we spoke about on our episode two about British Asians in you know, mainstream pop culture and the fact that where is the next generation of singers and rappers and, and musicians and stuff? There are a few here and there, but there's not a big enough community to, to push that scene forward. Yeah. And now with, you know, the, some of the younger presenters on Asian Network now being cast aside, that's not setting the right example for those next generation of young presenters wanting to get into that station, knowing that the old guard are still the ones that are ruling the roost. You know, there needs to be a show to represent my community on the BBC Asian Network. Um, but we could do the mixed uh, Gujarati and Punjabi show. <laughs> imagine all we did, the whole conversation is me talking to you in Gujarati, you talking to me in Punjabi. Oh, my Punjabi is so rubbish. You just get people calling in laughing at me. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that will be the point of our show. It will just be hilarity with all kinds of awkwardness. Um, mm. But anyway, you know, very disappointing. Asian Network, step it up, fam. Um, 
Now, uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the Windrush scandal. Yes. You know, and how, uh, you know, Amber Rudd was a lot to blame for a lot of these issues that happened during that period. Um, she stepped down as Home Secretary this mm-hmm. past week and was replaced by Sajid Javid. Yes. Interesting she, appointment, I think. Very, very interesting. Jojo B, discuss. Well... I think you can't kind of shy away from the fact that it's really convenient that he's been appointed mm. um, as the new Home Secretary. The Tory party were accused of having a racist immigration policy yep. that had unfairly subjected the Windrush generation and potentially other immigrants from that same era, from all different backgrounds, to um, some really unfair Policies because they were then, you know, these people have worked and lived and worked here, grown up here, paid into the system here. You know, they paid their taxes and they helped build this country. And then they were being told to basically piss off back home um, when their home is actually the UK. So now they have somebody of colour. <laughs> yeah, somebody with melanin. Yes. Heading up the uh, home office. Um, He is... <laughs> In one of the most prominent positions in the country. Well, it's the top three political positions in the entire country. And it's absolutely brilliant that we have somebody of colour in that position. Absolutely. Cannot take that away from him. But what you have to ask yourself is, why? Hmm. Why him? Because if you look at his background, he comes from a business background. He as to Are you going to talk about the fact that he was the son of a Pakistani bus driver, which no, is no. the only thing people he have been worked, talking about this entire worked, week? He worked in finance. He's got he had a high fly in finance background uh, career before he became an MP. Yeah, was he earning like three million a year or something? People Probably, were you know, that wouldn't surprise me. But so did Amber Rudd. So she comes from a very similar background oh, okay. and she was not right for that role. So what makes him more right for that role when he has a very similar background? Right. I don't think you can shy away from the fact that it's really convenient that he's quite a high profile MP within the Tory party and they could just move him into that slot and say, here we go, we're not racist. Yes. Our policies aren't racist. Yes. Look who's, who's fronting it now. Preach. And I think... We can't be shy to say that. I think that, you know, you can't get away from the fact that that is in the, is in the back of people's minds. It might not have been the reason why he got the job. But I suspect that it's played a very, very important role for him getting that job. There's a lot of politics involved in politics. Yes. And I think, like, then you have to ask yourself the question. So now that he's in a position of power and authority, does he have more to prove than a white counterpart would have done? Yeah. So now given that he's got a very similar background to Amber Rudd, does he have more to prove now? I think the answer is obviously yes, because not only is this a massive fucking mess that he has to clear up, but also like now he's become the poster boy of this non-racist immigration policy. I say this in inverted commas, um, that he still, he has to enforce these policies still. The policies aren't going to change. No, exactly. He still has to enforce them, maybe in a slightly better way. Maybe they're going to have to rethink how they're enforcing it, but they still have to, their policies aren't going to change anytime soon, I don't think. So he's going to have to face even harsher scrutiny now because not only is he the Home Secretary, but he's a Home Secretary with colour in his skin. And so you're going to, whether it's right or wrong, you're always going to be held to a higher standard now because people of colour who are being affected by this are going to look to you to give them a voice and for you to kind of look out for them. Yeah, for your community. 
And does he want to do that? Does he want to be that person? Is that what he's there to do? Maybe not. Maybe that's not his responsibility. But unfortunately, that's the position he's in. Yeah. And that's what the expectation of him will be. So I think he's put himself in a really shitty position. Yeah, it's a no it's almost like a no-win situation because you're you're again you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Exactly. Um uh but what do you feel about this whole coining of the you know the Uncle Tom and the the coconut, you know, terminology that's been used not just by our communities, but by people outside of it as well. You mean white people? Yeah, but basically. <laughs> predominantly. Yeah. I feel like Firstly, it's wrong. I don't think that white people should get to say it. In the same way that you don't get to see, say the N-word or the P-word, you don't get to call somebody an Uncle Tom. Mm. Because they're not representing you and they're not representing your your life or your truth. Yeah. So I don't think they should get to say that. Do we get to judge him on that? Again, it might not be right to do so, but I think we do. <laughs> okay. Controversy. Because like I said... He's in one of the most powerful positions in the country and he's a person of colour. He's an Asian, yeah. right? He's Pakistani background. So he's an Asian. He represents us. He looks like us. Yeah. And so if he, the next minute, decides to go and like send my parents back to India, I would be like, what the hell are you doing? Like your family have come here in the same circumstances as my family have come here. Yeah. How can you do this to your community? Yeah, absolutely. But How can you persecute your community in this way? And once once you're a person of colour in a position of power or authority, you will always have that extra pressure on your shoulders because other people of of colour from your community or from other communities of colour who don't get a say and don't get represented within the the higher echelons of government yeah. will expect you to be their voice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that no matter what you do, that's always going to be the case because we're always going to be underrepresented. We're always going to be misrepresented. And I think you have to know that if you take on a position like that, that that's part of them that you bear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that you can get away from it. Like Preeti Patel was like, oh, should I be held to account like because of the colour of my skin? Tough shit, love. Like that's how that's it is. You, yeah. you got into power. Like if I got a really high flying job as a CEO of a company, I'm still then the people who are of color that work in my company will then expect me to be able to kind of empathize at least with them. Yeah. And the things that they go through and how it's harder for them to get pro- uh, to progress and to get promoted and stuff. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing, but on a much bigger scale. But yes, as an MP and as the Home Secretary, he has to represent everybody in this country mm-hmm. so he has a difficult job but that's the job he's decided to take on not only does he have to be the voice of a community the ethnic minority community the immigrant community in this country yeah. but he also has to represent the whole of this country and make sure that he's doing the right thing for this country because at the end of the day that's what we elect our mps to do yeah and our government to do so good luck with that, Sajid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a really a poison chalice in that there's really a no win situation for him. Um, I think it is in one hand it is great to see that um, you know a British Asian has ascended the ranks of uh, politics to take on one of the top three ranking positions in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but on the flip side is is he even the right man to take the job? You know, like his, one of his main responsibilities was to rehouse a lot of the victims of Grenfell and 80% of them are still not being rehoused. You know, there's all kinds of um, issues uh, against his name. So whether he was the right person to take that job or not is a different matter. 
So time will tell. Exactly. Time will tell. It is an absolute mess. And whoever took on that job of colour or not was always going to have a difficult time trying to sort it out. But if you're of colour, it's an even harder job. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like, you know, it's it's well played, Theresa May, in this aspect. Because if anything, it's taken a lot of the burden off her and a lot of the And let's not attention. forget, let's not forget, it's her fault. Yeah, exactly. It will always be Theresa May's fault. All of these policies were put in place when she was the Home Secretary and she fucked it up yeah. for whoever came after her. Amber Rudd had no, had no chance of surviving this and she has been the sacrifice. She was the lamb to the slaughter that protected Theresa May. Sajid Javid would be the same. And he, you know what? If he doesn't, if he is too lenient, if he does seem to be too lenient to the mass public, you can bet the Daily Mail and the Sun will be right after him saying mm. that because he's he's uh, of Pakistani background, he's of Muslim background, he's gone easy and he's letting all these things happen, these immigrants stay here and that another terrorist attack has happened or something else terrible has happened and it's all his fault and it will be blamed on him for being a person of colour in that responsibility, in that job. No one can win. Theresa May, yes, well played. Always watch your back of her because she is the root of all of these problems in this country. Currently. How is that to end the point from Jojo V? This has been an incredibly impassioned show. But you know what? That's what the native immigrants are all about. We tackle all issues with heavy hearts and strong minds. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I think we've taken away more than enough of your time. Um, Thank you so much to everyone that's listening to this show and all our past previous shows. We'll be back again next week to tackle more issues and address the key topics of agenda (laughs) on a weekly basis. (laughs) It still makes no sense. Thank you so much. We'll see you all again next week, people. See ya. Peace.